You're listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. I want to give you a, a fun exercise you can do for you creative types. This is also really fun with, uh, or I, maybe fun, I don't know if that's the right word, with kids, with grandkids. Um, I love asking a question, um, something along the lines of this. Um, if you were to try and describe God or liken him to somebody, what would it be? Who would that be? Is there a profession or a, you know, you could get creative and talk about a movie character or cartoon character or just somebody in life, something like that. Um, and so we've, I've done it before. We talked about, um, uh, I've done it with young and old and male and female. And it's fun to say like, um, who is God like that is somebody who is green? And I remember saying that and then going, that was a ridiculous thing. I can only think of like one. And you should have heard some of the, what, this was with kids, you should have heard what they said. Some said he was like Yoda, like just doling out sort of wisdom, this old, you know, this old guy who's just doling out this wisdom. Some said he's like the big, powerful, incredible Hulk. Uh, somebody said, I don't see him like this. Some people probably see him like the Grinch who's just trying to like ruin everything that's good. And I was like, God, oh, that was a great question that I asked on accident. You know, I love it when that happens. But you can do all sorts of things. I've done it before. I've said, all right, go to a track meet and picture a track meet. Where do you think God is at that? You can think of how to do it real creatively too, but we, we got, I think God is just some sort of spectator that's sitting back and there's billions of people just running and running and he's just sitting there watching and that's it. He, he maybe shot the, the, the starting gun, but other than that, he's just sort of sitting there. I've heard people say, I think he's the cheerleader. He's on the sideline and he's just cheering, 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 cheering. I've heard he's, he's the coach and he's out there showing people how to run best, how to have the most joy in what they're doing. I mean, so, so you can see, you can take this and you can just start to have fun with it. And, and the reality is this, if nothing else, what it does is this. One, it help, I guess it helps you think about it too, but it helps you learn about the heart of somebody else because they immediately will say something that may be the primary lens through which they understand God. And second of all, I think it's just a good opportunity to acknowledge that even if we took all of those that I just said and then some, it's still not going to be a good match for God and who he is. That God is way more complex than just the Grinch or Yoda or the Hulk or the Jolly Green Giant. That was another one. Um, or, uh, or, or whatever it is on the track meet or if he's an orchestra conductor or whatever you, image you might have, you might go, that, that's maybe at some, to some degree an aspect of God. But it's a great opportunity to just go, oh, he is so much bigger than that. And you can hear where people are and you can see that's the lens through which they see God. And it just becomes a really cool time. And I, I've done this... Um, for years, I've done this with young children. I've done it with like teenagers, when um, older from you know working, retired, male, female, single, uh, married, I, like all over the map. And unfortunately, there is one one trait, one role that is usually missing, which tells me that a lot of times we don't see this as our primary lens through which we see. God. And I don't know if this is the primary one. Like I said, this is way more complex than just like one trait. But it's got to be up there as important. And I actually think that this one trait of God is at the very heart of the cultural divide that we're seeing today. Not just between Christians and non-Christians. I think even within the church, 
There are some people who grab onto this that are believers and some that have a hard time with it. And that's what our psalm talks about today. It's Psalm 47. I'm gonna read it to you. If you've got your Bible, I hope you get it out so you can follow along. It's gonna come up on the screen as well. And the underlines in here are my underlines because I wanna emphasize something so you can hear, in Jim's humble opinion here, one of the main traits of God that is at the heart of the cultural divide today. And this psalm talks about it beautifully. Here it is, Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord... The most high is to be feared, here it is, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us, nations under his feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people gather as the people of the God of Abraham for the shields, which is a phrase here or a word here that means the kings or the nations. The nations, the kings, the shields of the earth belong to God and he is highly exalted. This psalm is all about king language. It's sovereignty type language. And this is the language of all the times I've done this. And maybe it's because people try to run and get very, very creative. It is actually quite rare that the first image of God that comes to people's minds is this idea of king. But listen to this. God, Lord, most high, feared king. He reigns over the nations, sits on his holy throne. The kings of the earth belong to him. He is highly exalted. This is kingship language. And in fact, this is what we call a coronation psalm that was one that was probably said during a, um, a coronation of a king. And now some think, that, uh, some think that this is one that was probably repeated every year. I'm not sure if that's the case or not. They take that from um, the Babylonians had a god, Marduk, and they would every year at the beginning of the new year, they would sing a, um, they, would, they would have a song that they would sing to acknowledge their king. And they would say, kind of like the Israelites, to say this king is representative of God above him. And their God was called Marduk. Their difference was Marduk was just the king of the Babylonians, and that was it. The Israelites would look at the king, and remember, he is appointed by the king of kings. And so when they looked at the king, they would praise God for the king because he was supposed to be an earthly reminder that God was not just a king over Israel, but God is the sovereign ruler over, it says over and over, over all the earth. And you can see why I say this is at the heart of the cultural divide is if you see God as king and you see God as one who is authoritative in your life, that changes everything. Who has the authority in my life? Is God king or am I king? That's cultural divide that we have today. If he is not sovereign, everything he says is just recommended. During, uh, during COVID, we would have, they, would, uh, they, had, they called it a, a, um, like a faith leaders call or something like that. And we would get on with our governor and his office and they would have pastors and priests and rabbis and imams and they would, um, <clears throat> he would go over the latest information or, or one of his people would go over the latest information about COVID and um, like on a WebEx or a Zoom or something. And um, they would share with us. And I remember looking and thinking, 
um, you have indoor gatherings, here's the restriction, and then right below it on the chart, it would have churches, and here's the restrictions, and the church restrictions were oddly much greater than just like other indoor gatherings, like plays or musicals or things. And I just remember, I'm not a lawyer, but I remember I thought, well, that, sound, that seems strange. And um, there was a, a case that's uh, a couple uh, churches in New York, and they, they, I think, smartly brought a synagogue along with them, and they went to the Supreme Court, and they sued the governor of New York at the time to say, you can't tell the churches, synagogues, religion what to do. And the Supreme Court agreed. And so the Supreme Court said, basically, the way a lawyer summed it up for me is we are like king supers, meaning if they are open, we are open. We are just as essential as the most essential thing churches are. So I said, I said, good, that's good legal speak for a pastor. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, I was very interested after that court case to get on the next phone, to get on the next like WebEx thing to hear from the governor's office again. And he got on the call. Some of you have told this story before. He got on the, he got on the call and he, he was very nice and he shared a little bit up front. Some other people shared, <coughs> excuse me. And you could see the number of people that were on the call and then, uh, and then he said, now many of you have saw the court case that just came out, the Supreme Court. By the way, across kind of ideological lines, they all found, or not all, they found in favor for the churches. Um, they, uh, and he said, because of that court case, now we're just going to tell you that everything we tell you is now recommended. And I thought, did I hear that right? And then I looked at the number of people that were on the call, and as soon as the word recommended was said, the number just just started plummeting. And I was on a text chain with some other pastor friends of mine and, uh, and, they, and someone said, did he just say recommended? And someone said, yep, I'm out of here. And they all just left. Now I stayed on because I wanted to see if there was some other stuff that might be helpful and there was some stuff that was helpful, but it was interesting to watch the difference between this is something by which you need to abide or these are recommendations. Totally different mindset. And if we see God as an authority who is able to say, this is, these are the rules you got to abide by. This is how you ought to live. This is how I have created you. And he is the authority with the one to say it. That is one way. The other way is to go, well, these are just some really neat recommendations that he has given to us. So you can see where the divide happens. Do we see God as sovereign king or not? I will give you one thought uh, about, well, actually two thoughts, I guess, about how we've gotten to a point where we have um, even Christians that will um, wonder about the total sovereignty and authority of God over the world and in their own lives. I think where this, one of the big places that this started is really about, well, it's, it's old, but uh, especially about 80 years ago and then it ramped up in about the last 40, 50, is um, trying to take the creation event and the creation of everything and unsupernatural it. Just make it a completely natural scientific means by which we now exist. And the reason being is because if God is the sovereign creator, like if I am here and if you are here and our earth is here because God has made us, then he can rightly claim that is mine. And I get to decide, and I get to call the shots, and now what's happened culturally, and especially, again, over the last 40, 50 years, as, we've, as in the culture there's been doubt cast on, was God actually the creator or not? It just minimizes him a hair in people's mind. <clears throat> and the conversation about creation is not really just about creation, it's about the sovereignty of God. Are we his? Is this world his? And Christians, I just want to remind you that there's things about creation we can hold with an open hand, 
but there are some things that we close our hand around. I'll give you one of them from Hebrews 11. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God is the creator. And when we understand that these things are true, that God is the creator, it necessarily means so God gets to do whatever he wants. That we should be grateful for our existence and we should be living as servants of the king saying, Lord, you speak and I will listen and I will obey. R.C. Sproul says it like this. He says, as sovereign, God is the supreme authority of heaven and earth. He created the universe. He owns the universe. His ownership gives him certain rights. He may do with his universe what is pleasing to his holy will. So if he is the creator... It's all his and nothing is ours. We are stewards in his creation, but we own nothing. If he's the creator, the world is his to command, not mine. So if God is the sovereign creator, if God is a sovereign authority, if he, if he speaks in a way that rubs me the wrong way, our instinct can be, can't it, to think, what an unwelcome intruder on my life. But if he's the creator and he's the one with authority, he is never an unwelcome intruder. He is the one that is rightly speaking into that which he created and that which he owns. When we think about God as king, this is very, very important. It, if, if, if we minimize God as the supreme king over all, this is not just a slightly different version of God that we worship. It's not just a slightly tweaked religion from the idea of Christianity. It's not just a tiny change to the gospel. It is a completely different God, completely different religion, completely different gospel. It is a different gospel to say God does not have authority over my life because that says I'm not accountable to him, I don't need forgiveness for my sin, and it defines the very relationship that we have with him. So this is not a small shift, this is a seismic shift. So here's a little bit of homework. And I'm gonna ask you, because I'm sure there's people here today that aren't Christians and some that are. And let me say, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, let me just applaud you for a moment by saying you, are, you have come to a group of people gathering who believe we rally around this thing that we believe about God and what he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and you're not there yet. And so you literally came into a group today that at the very core of what we believe, you have a disagreement with. And I just wanna say, that's courageous and I'm glad you're here today. I'm very glad that you're here today. And I have no authority over you, but I have a homework assignment for you anyway. And if you're here and you're a Christian, not that I really can tell you what to go do for homework, but I'm gonna give you a homework assignment as well, and here it is. Take a moment and write out all the implications of God not being creator and that we are here by mere chance or fate or science or whatever term you would like to use. That's a divide. Did God create or was he not the creator and he were here by chance? Even if you're a Christian, by the way, do this. Write out, what if God didn't create? And start going to the end. <coughs> Excuse me. Because if God didn't create and we're just here by chance, start answering these questions. What really is your value in life? What's your purpose in life? You're, you're gonna mess things up. How can you be forgiven in this life, and what hope do you have? 
And I'm just gonna say this out of love. I have spent time doing this this last week and I started trying to answer those questions. If God did not create and we are here just by, by fate or science or whatever you wanna say, what's my value, my purpose, my meaning, all those things and trace them out. And every single one just ended in utter hopelessness and despair. And the reason I say, Christians, you ought to do this as well is because if you're like me, sometimes maybe you get frustrated. You get really angry. Like we look at like, yeah, no, man, like following God, I look and I go, I don't know why everybody wouldn't just do this. This is a glorious thing that we have to be able to serve the king of the universe. Why doesn't everybody just do this? And I can get frustrated when people don't understand. And really going through this, it just moved my heart with compassion to say this is the path, this is the necessary end of where you're headed. And oh, let me just show you the joy that we have in following Jesus Christ. I want your compassion to increase. So we've lost this idea of creator, which has a lot of different implications with him being king. But I think perhaps a bigger reason that even this language of kingship of God is hard God, Lord, most high, feared king, reigns over the nation, sits on his holy throne. Kings of the earth belong to him. He is highly exalted. In our day, the modern person hears those different things about um, kingship and authority and exalted, and he sits on a holy throne. And what, what that means is he's in charge, not me. And so each of those synonyms about God can feel like we have on these holy handcuffs that just each word just clunk, clunk, he is holy, clunk, he is king, clunk. And it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And there's a fear in the modern American to say, if I submit my life to God, if I see him as authority, all of a sudden, many decisions, they're his, not mine. And it's like these holy handcuffs that say, we are now restricted and I have this one life and what if I mess up and what if I blow it and, and what if I don't get every single thing that I can out of this life and so there can be anxiety as we feel limited and restricted by what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. And I have to tell you, the Bible teaches the exact opposite and perhaps nowhere clearer than in what we just read. Let me show you. Psalm 47, one again. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. And then he gives the reason. Why do we clap our hands? Why do we shout to God? Why do we have loud songs of joy? It says because or for the Lord most high is to be feared. He is a great king over all the earth. In other words, when we think of God's authority and his kingship, and if we go, oh, that's restrictive, he goes, no, 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 no. God is king, and that is the very thing that should make us shout for joy. But how is that possible? How can all those things, God, Lord, most high to be feared, he reigns over, all, how, all those things, how can we, how can they see it as a thing that brings joy and the modern person can see it as handcuffs? I get it. Because if God is God, that means that he calls the shots. That means I have surrendered a lot of my rights unto him. I have surrendered my life to him. So when it comes to my marriage, he decides, not me. If I don't like it, tough. If I don't like it in the moment, I have surrendered my life to him and he makes the decision, not me. How I view the poor. This is like every, every topic that's going on in our culture today. 
surrendered to him or not. If he is the king or if I am the king, it makes huge differences. If, if it's about the poor, he calls the shots, not me. When does life begin? He calls the shots. That's a Christian view. He calls the shots, not me. What about my gender? He calls the shots, not me. What about race and how I see racism? He calls the shots, not me. What about my politics? What about uh, how I view my enemies? I view them how God says to view them, not how I want to view them. How do I just view my life in general as opposed to something that is, I'm just trying to get as much as I can that he calls me to say the life of sacrifice and maybe even martyrdom. And if I'm a follower of Christ, I go, I will welcome that and I will do that. Because you are the creator and you are sovereign over me. Let me, let me sum this up and then I'll, just, I'll unpack just a little bit of it. I said it like this. God is king so you don't have to be. God is king so you don't have to be and that gives us liberating, boundless joy. Don't miss that. God is king, so you don't have to be. Um, Henry IV, Shakespeare wrote, uneasy is the head that wears the crown. It is difficult to be king. It is difficult just as you ascend in leadership roles, things can become more difficult. Imagine ascending to being the eternal king of the universe. That would be hard. That's not a crown that I want to wear, and luckily God is wearing that crown, that God has taken that on God is the king, good, I don't have to be. And that is for my joy, it is liberating. It is boundless joy, that is the place that, that it's it, kind of an ironic twist of fate that by surrendering to God, that is where joy is most found. I think of it like this, I was flipping channels the other day, I do not know what movie this was, but they, it was some, some old Wild Westy kind of thing and they pull up and they're on this huge plain, huge plain, just kind of as far as you could see, there's mountains in the distance and it's just plain and plain and plain all over the place. And, um, and they are gathered up, they've got their wagons and they you know, circle the wagons and they go and they circle the wagons all around to create a perimeter because they're going, the sun's going down and we're gonna, we're gonna stay here for tonight. Um, and there's a fascinating thing. I wish I knew the movie so I could go back and watch it. But um, there was a fascinating thing that had a couple weeks ago that happened where you had, they're out putting the, the, the wagons around to create the perimeter. And then it focuses in on these two women with their kids, these two moms that are just sitting there chatting and the kids are sitting on their lap and I'm sure they're waiting for their like cue to go do something. But they're sitting there and they're just, and one of them, I'm doing it now, he has his leg just like going and going and going, sitting on his mom's lap and she's just holding him like this. And then one of the men says, you know, the, the, the wagons are set. And then the two ladies keep on talking and it's kind of nonchalant. They set the kids down and then what you see is the kids go from shaking and shaking and wondering to seeing the wagons and knowing, oh, these are the boundaries that I get to play in. And they get off the mom's lap and they just run around like little kids do back in the day probably. They just start like sprinting in circles all around and you can just see this unbridled joy that they have. They don't go, hey, now wait a minute, why, why don't you move the, the wagons back? Or look, the, there's so much more area we could play over there as well. But people that love them said, here's the wagons. Here's the boundaries. Live inside these and you will have 
the greatest of joy. That's a picture of what God has for us. If you think about it, how freeing is it like as a parent? I'll just give you a couple ways to process it today. Um, like as a parent with kids, the, the endless possibilities of things my kids could do and how they could spend their time is farther than those planes were even reaching. And I can look and go, God, what would you have for your kids that I'm stewarding in this season? And all of a sudden I can go, got it. And I can lay my head on the pillow at night with the fullness of joy because I'm following him. Same with our money. Man, you, you, could give, you, you would have no money left if you just started giving to all the causes out there. But when God says, uh, when you pray and God focuses us, it is liberating to go good. I don't have to worry about everything out here. I can focus on what the Lord has for me. Or if you think about like if you're working right now and you've got, um, and you're, you're in your business and you're wondering um, like should I have a tiny, tiny bit of compromise for a really great good? If you see God as sovereign and God as Lord and you're trying to figure out where the wagons are, you can go, if I compromise, I am now outside the wagons and I'm on my own. But I am here as a missionary for him and he has told me that. And now all of a sudden our decision making becomes clearer. Or if you're in retirement and you're looking and going, what am I going to do with maybe these twilight years? And I look out and I see just planes running everywhere and I feel like there's so much to do that God can say, here's a way that you can live today, tomorrow with purpose, with meaning, with significance. And it circles the wagons and you can go, ah, now I have the fullness of joy knowing that I am in the will of God. Don't sneak out at night. Seek joy within the wagons. Seek joy within the wagons. God being king answers a few of these things for us. And interestingly, I think they all come to a head at the communion table. Remember all the questions I asked you earlier? What's your value in life? If God is God, you are a child of the king. Everybody wants to be valued, young to old. and Everybody wants to be valued. You can say God sent his most beloved son that gave his body for us, that poured out his blood for us to let you know the great worth that you have in him. What's your purpose? I don't have to look for some purpose outside. This purpose of being known by God, loved by God, being in relationship with him, that is a glorious purpose that is worthy of a life's calling that is answered by the sovereignty and kingship of God. How can you be forgiven? All the things that you go, I could never ever be forgiven for this. You come to the cross and you see the blood of Jesus Christ poured out. What's your hope in life? We don't grieve as those who have no hope. Jesus gave his body and blood and he died. So we know that when we die, we will be resurrected with him. See how the gospel matters and the gospel answers these questions and God being our king is for your greatest joy. God has created these boundaries in which humanity can flourish and then he lovingly and graciously invites us in. Perhaps it's best said from a hymn that's, what, 120 plus years old now. This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler 
yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? And then look at how it ends. The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. Be glad.